Over one year ago, this guy made a conscious decision to go all in on Web3. He went from being a videographer in the music industry to now being one of the leading faces in the NFT world. And no, he's not your typical alpha caller, but more so, I like to say, a Web3 entertainer. Pio is the co-founder and the host of The Nifty Morning Show. It's a show where thousands of people religiously attend every single day to get their daily dose of NFT content and laughs. And the best part about this is they're giving free NFTs every single morning. So I sit down with Pio and I ask him all types of questions about his web career, sponsorships, growing a business, and most importantly, some alpha on what they're going to be dropping over the next eight months. So without any further ado, let's dive right in. Alright, what is going on, Seed Freezers? Welcome back to another episode. Today we have a special guest. You guys are probably used to talking or hearing from every single day. And he's usually the one asking questions, but today we got the Uno reverse card here. He's going to be answering the questions and I'm going to be filling in for his typical role. Pio, what's going on, bro? How are you? Not much, man. Thanks for having me, Mo. A seed Phrase Daily represent. You know, I'm excited for the interview. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here as well. So uh, like we were saying uh, off camera here, I was just talking to uh, Easy last night playing some basketball. So there's one question I should probably leave you with. The question is, is Nifty a media company? And I really want to hear it from you here. Wow. Uh, what your thoughts are? <laughs> uh, the answer is no. Uh, and I think a lot of people are surprised to hear that because a lot of people, because we have a, a successful podcast and newsletter that they associate us with a, as a media company, but we're not trying to you know, compete with Cointelegraph or Coindesk or any of these media, media brands. While we do believe in the importance of content and the power of content, and, and we believe that we're good at content, um, we, we view it as a piece of the puzzle not the the whole puzzle. So I would describe us just as like an NFT company or an NFT tech company, a digital collectibles company, just like the the biggest names in the space. And while we're not one of the biggest names in the space yet, that's our singular goal. And that's what we work uh, towards every day. Do you, do you feel like putting yourself in a media company box or just an NFT company box, like label, I guess, puts you in a box and kind of limits to what you guys want to do or could do? Or you're just fine with having that specific label of saying, hey, we're an NFT company that is so happy to do media and this is what we want to be. I think that if you call yourself a media company, it certainly will put you in a box because then people like consider you a journalist or they consider you like an entertainer or something like that. And it's harder to, to really get traction with some of the things outside. I mean, having said that though, all that matters is what you do because ultimately if you're just crushing it and everything that you do, nobody can put you in any box. And that's ultimately like what we're looking to do is just crush it in every area that we're focusing on. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that worried about being put in a box. I'm just worried about us like, you know, dominating the different things that we're focused on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you say that because you guys kind of came across or at least Nif the Nifty started, I would say, well, end of 2021, maybe 2022, you really started prospering. Yep. And when I look back at that crypto class of like influencers and creators, there's pretty much zero to none available that are still actively in the field as much as you guys are. Right. So walk me through obviously the journey of being so consistent every single day for that year long. And obviously, I want to know more about you as a person, because I don't think people do. Like, what is your background and why did you even end up in the crypto space? 
Sure, man. Yeah. Well, first of all, I appreciate the acknowledgement that we're, you know, we're, we're still doing our thing. Uh, honestly, man, I just think that the crypto space uh, has a lot of people that aren't that interested in like building something special and working hard on something for a long time, even after it gets like boring or something, right? Yeah. Because like it, it, it's a short attention span thing. And I was surprised, right? Because when I plugged in, I never bought Bitcoin or had anything before 2020. But then when I like plugged in, I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. So when I watched people like fumble opportunities left and right, it made me feel like really we or just weirded me out because I was like, how are you like, why would you possibly fumble these opportunities? Because I, I really appreciate those opportunities. You asked me about my background. I came up in the music video game when I was in my early 20s, right? So I was working at first in Boston, where I grew up, where I know you grew up too, Mo. Um, and so I was like in, in college at that time at Northeastern. I had done stuff in high school too, but I, I didn't take it to the next level until college. And then I started working with musicians that went to Berkeley, uh, including some that are now like A-list celebrities. Like I did like five videos for Charlie Puth. I got introduced to him. Wow. Uh, while I was working at a recording studio in Boston on Newberry Street, uh, Cyber Sounds, shout out to, to Cyber Sounds. Uh, anyway, um, and then I graduated from like Boston music video scene to New York video scene, and then I ended up moving out to LA to do it. And I kind of fumbled that opportunity in a way because I was really young. I developed an ego really, really early. And I had um, a misunderstanding of what my value actually was, which I see people do all the time now in life and business in the NFT space. And going through that, like kind of going through the high, like having meetings at Atlantic Records and working, you know, making music videos that got 20 million views and working with people that became A-list celebrities like Charlie Puth and ultimately not having that become what I did for the, like the rest of my life, right? Which ultimately to me is a failure. I don't beat myself up over it, but it is effectively a failed pursuit. Mm -hmm. um, I, I experienced the whole emotional roller coaster of like developing an ego, misunderstanding what your own value was, and then, you know, being humbled and, and coming back down to earth. So when I got to like crypto and NFTs, I was not going to make that mistake again. So I really like locked in and, and uh, watched other people make that mistake, but didn't make it myself. So, you know, as far as 2021 people, Board API Club still doing it. Uh, there's a lot, few other names you can drop uh, that are still doing it, but a lot of people fumbled the opportunity, in my opinion. They made a lot of money along the way, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a short-term bag, and there's a consistent bag that ends up being a lot bigger in the long run, right? Yeah. And it's very clear and obvious, obviously, what the Nifty is doing is kind of focusing on that bigger picture, especially, especially this year. I mean, this year, I feel like you guys have really established yourselves as a brand more so than just creators, right? I think before it was kind of like, you know, you know, PO, you know, Nick, you know, Easy, you know, Signal. But I think this year you guys really gelled all of that together. Uh, and, and it's well put in a sense where it's like now you see the NFTs, now you see the engagement, right? now you see the newsletter. So walk me through, obviously, that building process of like how it came together and what some what are some of these big plans that you guys have coming along? This year? 
Yeah. So first of all, thanks for the kind words. And I'll, you know, I'll try to, I know I, I ramble on podcasts a lot, so I'm trying to make sure I go, I uh, kind of make it quick. Uh, if I really break it down the first year we operated with a thesis. So the first year being 2022, call it after our NFT came out where we operated with the thesis, we're content creators. The more successful our content is, the more eyeballs, the bigger our audience is. there will be a conversion to NFT sales and NFT value. And that thesis is isn't completely wrong, right? Because you look at like Full Send, you look at uh, uh, Gary V. A lot of the or most of the floor price action that you see on the assets in those ecosystems uh, are directly correlated to the success of the content. I think what we didn't account for was that being NFT content creators, there is a built-in ceiling of how big you can actually get. And that's not to say like it would be impossible for us to get any bigger. But the reality is that's not going to lead to like a five ETH floor price, right? Like unless you were getting millions of views and it's it's just a different game at that point. So that was really most of 2022. But I'd say in Q4 2022, we started to really realize like that's not the way that we need to frame things. And the adjustment that we made is we're like, all right, well, we just need to be a pure play NFT company. We're not going to stop our content and our content is super dialed in. We're happy with our team, but we need to operate the way Pudgy Penguins is operating, D-Gods, Board Ape Yacht Club. And I know I'm dropping big names, but obviously we were looking at the most successful projects, the most successful organizations in the game as you know someone to draw from or, or entities to draw from, I should say. So at this point, we've basically built out a studio where we have in-house artists, like in-house animators at this point. Um, and we couldn't be more excited about the artwork that we're putting out. And then the tech is is kind of the next thing that we think that we can really level up uh, with. But obviously, like, you know, we've built out our smart contracts. We also built out a free NFT platform. You know, the nifty.com went from basically being like a newsletter website to now a free NFT platform that actually has a lot of mechanics built into it that we haven't you know, showed yet. And you're going to see those things uh, start to come out. So real quick, last part of your question, the next year is going to be, in my opinion, without question, the biggest year from us, because you got Bodagos coming out. And, you know, in my opinion, that's going to be huge. You have our ETH PFP coming out, which, you know, I'm not going to disclose the name of yet, but we're incredibly excited about it. And then we have those features that I just kind of alluded to on the free NFT platform rolling out all the while, you know, the content still uh, powering, um, you know, the kind of base layer of the organization. You said one really important thing that I think a lot of people are just starting to realize now, which is as NFT content creators, you're going to hit a ceiling and a cap. Because the space, the space is so small and it has a bad rep every time you try to go big with it, right? And you have yep. to kind of introduce it in a brand new way. So I guess now we're starting to see a lot of these creators start saying AI, crypto, AI, crypto, right? AI and NFTs. So is that something you guys are obviously interested in, like transitioning into at some point? Or are you already using any type of AI that you think, you know what, AI and crypto does go along and it does make sense for us to start talking about it at some point? Sure. If you're if you're a pure play content creator and you don't have like an NFT project out or anything, you can talk about whatever you want because then you're just like a, you're a content creator like anybody else. Um, 
we have an NFT ecosystem, right? And so that's that's what gets our focus and we're leaning into that and that's like our whole lives, right? But let's say I was like K-Money or somebody like that that's a pure play content creator. I would just make whatever content I want and I look at that guy and he does, right? Like you go on TikTok, he's got like these hilarious skits that have nothing to do with NFTs and stuff. So I think if you don't have an NFT project or you're not trying to be like NFT or crypto only, I would totally make content about AI because like... I, I could talk to you about AI all day because I've at this point fully integrated GPT-4 into my workflow mm -hmm. and we're paying for several employees to have premium memberships to GPT-4 also. And we use it every single day and I'm not exaggerating. Literally, we use it every single day. Walk me through that. You got to walk me through that after that. Yeah, let's go. Dude, it's, it's so powerful. At first, when I was, for now I'm just going to talk about GPT-4 the whole time. They're going to be like, he's going to be an AI guy, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, when I first started using GPT-4, um, I treated it as like one and done. I treated it as like, okay, I need a solution. Give me the solution. Then mm -hmm. I listened to the interview with between Lex Friedman and Sam Altman uh, on Lex Friedman's podcast. I listened to it like three times. And it became clear to me that this thing is way more powerful than I was giving it credit for. Uh, for, even though it, I already thought it was powerful as hell. I was already blown away by it. But then I was like, oh, this is like really crazy. So the way I approach GPT-4 now is instead of just going in and saying, okay, I need this solution to this question, I'm thinking, how do I build a system for this one problem that I know I'm always going to need a solution for? Like, for example, um, all right, here, I'll give you an example. This is, all right, I'm going to give you like an example. If anybody tries to hold this against me, just get out of town, okay? Because this is the future and this is how stuff's going to go down. Um, we're doing these animations for Bodagos, right? And so we have these voiceovers. A lot of people, you know, it's gotten, the first one got like 125,000 impressions. So I, I do think a lot of people have seen these. Um, we have the voiceover and that kind of tells the story. We worked with this kick-ass sound design artist. So awesome, right? We have the script for that. Then I need to work with our artist to actually create the storyboard, create the comic book. I could just do it from scratch. But what the reality is, is that GPT-4 has made it so that you can edit rather than compose. And my mom, who's a writer for a long time, actually is the person that really laid this out for me when I showed it to her. You even writing an email, composing that email, is it takes mental energy. But editing an email that's 80% there already is so much easier than writing something from scratch. So I now have built out a chat with ChatGPT where all I need to do is paste the transcript from the new comic that comes to me from the voiceover artist and GPT-4 takes a shot at making the comic book panels, like the storyboard images, just from me pasting that in there. So I went from every time was like a new process with GPT to now I have this system where I just paste something in. And is it perfect? No, but it's it gets me 50% of the way there with literally control V enter instead of like having to write everything. So why would I, why would I not do that? And uh, I know I'm going long. Can I give you one more thing on AI real quick? Yeah, go ahead. The, the moment that really clicked for me for GPT was we, we were hiring a software engineer and I needed to write a job description. And I started writing it and I was like, I wonder if ChatGPT can do this. And I, the day job that I ended up having to get after my music video career ended was as a recruiter. So I was like familiar with recruiting and like, you know, writing job descriptions and stuff like that.
started writing the job description, said, let me pop this into GPT, spit the whole thing out in literally five seconds. And it was basically perfect. It had the equal opportunity employer language. It had all the technologies that I needed for the, like the additional technologies that would be in a typical job description for the software engineer position. And that's when it really clicked for me because I'm like, yeah, this thing has all of Google's job descriptions, all of Facebook's job descriptions, all of, you know, in whatever company's job descriptions. It's seen the job description a million times. How could you ever think a human could write a job description faster than this thing? I barely had to edit anything in that. It also went to our website and pulled copy from our website to, you know, like help format uh, the whole thing. I don't know. It just blew me away. And that was when I really unlocked the power. So now I'm basically in our employees' faces being like, did you use ChatGPT for that? And if I find out that they didn't, I'm like, well, why the hell not? Yeah, I can definitely relate, honestly, to everything you just said, because I'll, I'll give you some sauce as well on like how we use it, for example. So we write a daily newsletter, right? And our newsletter, it took a really long time to figure out what the format is and how to make it skimmable enough for a person. Yep. continue wanting to open it, right? Because that's the hardest thing when it comes to the newsletter, at least business, from what I've realized is it's not about creating content that every single line of it is fire, but how can you create content that somebody can scroll through, navigate, and still get value out of, Yep. right? So we came up with a script, but before we did the script, what I did was I analyzed, let's say, your newsletter and 10 other newsletters, and I gathered all of these on one big Google document, essentially. I copied that and I fed it to ChatGPT. I'm like, hey, tell me what he stands out in this specific newsletter, whether it's tone, structure, words, uh, paragraph, length, sentence length, etc. So it broke me down. Okay, here's the type of tone. Here's what they try to accomplish in each paragraph. Here's the length of it, etc. So I'm like, okay, now, if I were to grab some of these, and I wanted to make it say x, y, and z, can you give me the perfect script on how to ask you to turn any article that I would bring you into this type of tone? And that's what it does now. Right. So now I go ahead every single morning. We want to send out a newsletter. It's very easy for us to say, hey, ChatGPT, go ahead and turn this piece of headline or this piece of article into the type of tone that we're looking for. And then from there, exactly what you said, it makes it a lot easier for somebody to edit and add creative juice on top of the ground. Right. But my only fear there is because it eliminates employee level, I guess, tasks mm -hmm. is it's going to be very hard for you to find people that can actually want it to operate, let's say that side of your business, regardless what it is, and still want to do it for you, because then they're going to learn all the keys to the trade, essentially, and they can do, go do it on them, you know, by themselves, in a sense. Yes and no. The thing that I've learned, you know, full on is that there's just so many people that aren't like true entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like, I, I think you're right in the sense that somebody that had that entrepreneurial energy inside them will, it'll click for them. But really, all that you're talking about there is someone getting an opportunity to go build something on their own when they were looking for an opportunity to do that. Right. Yeah. But there's so many people that aren't, man. It's like insane. Um, yeah. Like, uh, quick anecdote we're working with, with, somebody now i'm not going to talk about who it is right but we're working with somebody on something and it's more like a corporate sort of thing and working with the corporate people over there it's like dragging a dead body dude it's it's crazy and i was like wow it's been a, it's been two years since i've dealt with this because i've been straight nfts for two years and to see how like people that have a job operate and the level of urgency they have, it's it's crazy. So wouldn't worry too much about all of a sudden everybody being an entrepreneur, okay? 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Let me ask you this. If you were to use, or let's say you had to make money with ChatGPT, yeah. what would you think is the best and simplest way that you would want to start applying it? NFTs aside, like you're starting today, what would you use it for? I just want? think, you, you know, you'd take about, uh, like a subject that you know about, preferably an internet related subject, right? And you would uh, just like use GPT as like your personal assistant slash researcher. And I mean, but honestly, you could even do it for like a, a physical goods business or something. Because I'm pretty sure you can go in there and be like, I want to start a window company and say, how would I do it? And it just lays everything out. You just actually have to be interested in it and you have to have the drive to create that. But it's a personal assistant slash like research assistant full on. Um, I mean, I was listening to Anthony Pompliano's podcast with Sam Parr and they were talking about how some guy on Twitter right now, it's like blowing up his Twitter account. He's yep. walked, taking everybody on a journey through chat GPT where basically he said to GPT, start a business for me and I, I'm investing a hundred dollars and I don't know what they're up to. They might be up to like 2000 bucks or something, but the hundred's already like two grand or something. So it's, it's cool. Honestly, like if you're looking to start a business, I would totally lean into AI in such an intense way. There's never been such an opportunity. And I felt that way about crypto. And now with AI too, I'm like between crypto and AI, if you're not starting a business, I really don't know what you're doing. If you're someone that's like, I'm trying to start something, right? Totally cool to be an employee. That's totally fine. You know, go on vacations and, and live like a normal lifestyle. But if you're one of these people that are like, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I can't figure out what to do. Look no further than crypto and AI. Like, figure it out, man. Come on. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And the access that we have now compared to like what we even had two years ago is just absolutely ridiculous. It's like the things you can accomplish with half the amount of time that you could have done in a year's worth of time is absolutely nuts. So, couldn't agree with you more there. Since we don't have any bad moments with AI yet, walk me through any bad moments you had in the crypto or NFT space that almost made you just throw the hat off and be like, fuck this place. I mean, my conviction with cryptos, well, because like I'm, I'm a Bitcoiner, right? So I came from that. That's how I got started. And like my conviction in Bitcoin as the new digital uh, base layer for finance, like it just... It's just there, right? So I don't, I wouldn't say that I've, I'd say my negative experiences in crypto are just people scamming people is basically it. Because like, you know, I think a normal person isn't exposed to such, you know, scamming someone, stealing from someone. That's a negative thing, right? So if you're just like a person that works at like Facebook or something, you just have like a regular job or you work at like, I don't know, some tech company in New York or something, you're not really exposed to like evil, you know, yeah. you might be exposed to like some guy that's like a jackass to work with or some like grumpy guy they don't like working with or someone that's kind of a dick, yeah. but it's not like evil. You're like, oh, I just kind of don't like that guy. Mm -hmm. Like when people are scamming the hell out of people, that's like a pretty evil thing. So I think you get exposed to like this darkness um, that exists there because the industry is early, because the technology permits theft in a really simple way, like with a little bit of technology prowess. I think about it all the time, dude. When I click on like an uns subscribe email from like a clothing company that I don't want to get emails from. I'm like, someone could make a fake version of this, you know, literally pixel for pixel, identical fake and make the unsubscribe button a wallet drainer, you know? And I'm like, wow, someone could just do that. So that darkness, that evil, I'd say is the only thing that turn that 
makes me feel weird about it. But that has nothing to do with the technology. It has to do with the humans that are taking advantage of it in an early time. And it's not going to be possible in the ways that it's possible to steal right now in the future. Like as this stuff develops, it just won't be possible anymore. Yeah, crypto is definitely most dangerous because of the phishing and scamming. Like I remember at one point, and I was actually training somebody that had just came onto the, the team here that we have at Seed Phrase. And I was like, hey, here's how you do research, for example, on NFT projects. And I forgot what the project was. I think it might have been like Ooeverse or something like that. And I searched it up and the first link was sponsored on Google. I was like, interesting, NFT projects running Google ads here. So I click on it and then I quickly realized, let me go ahead and check the Twitter. And the first link on Google that's actually being sponsored is a fake phishing link. Unreal. Dude, right there. And then I could have lost it all. It was a perfect example because I was like, dude, it's your first day here. This is the number one thing you have to be careful of because this is something you're going to see very commonly. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of like just fake Twitter accounts running ads, straight up running ads saying, hey, guys, like we're the real project. Come check out our website. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't think of a specific example of that, but NFT God, uh, you know, friend of mine, I believe he's yeah. been on your show before too. Yeah, I think I saw some, yeah, some clips. Yeah, he um, he got fished with that Google promoted link thing that you just talked about. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to see. Um, hopefully, nobody else falls into that same trap. But I guess Google is starting to be more wary and wary of Web three, especially especially with the new scholarship program that they launched. So, pretty excited to see what comes out of there. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, you know. It, Dude, it's just the beginning, straight up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, okay, so we asked about, I guess, a, a bad moment. How about the best moment for you in crypto or NFTs? Dude, I mean, uh, they keep coming, man. Like, I'm sure Bodago's Mint will be the next best moment, you know, and then the ETH PFP Mint will be the next best moment. And then, like, you know, when our platform does a new feature and everybody's talking about it, that'll be the next best moment. It's been a crazy ride for two years, you know? Um, I've worked extremely hard, and so... It like the reward is absolutely there. I mean, the fact that a big part of my job now is working with artists and creating like literal cartoon animations and comic book pages and things that are eventually going to be on skateboard decks and on hats and shirts and bags. It's so cool. You know, physical toys probably at some point. All that stuff is so cool. So I feel insanely lucky. I don't take it for granted. I appreciate the hell out of it. And I work insanely hard to, um, to make sure it stays because I also respect how fragile all this stuff is. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't mint at one ETH per NFT at, with ETH at 4,000 bucks and all that. So we, we gotta, we're running an honest business over here. So we got to keep it, uh, keep it moving. You know, let me ask you this, I guess. So a lot of the people that I bring on the show, I kind of ask them like, what is the first moment that made you want to stay in crypto like long-term or at least NFT specifically? And, you know, you hear about like, hey, I made this 10x on like the cool cats or <laughs> the pudgies or, you know, I bought apes early, whatever the case may be. So is there a moment for you like that where you're like, OK, I just made a fuck ton of money here and I never want to leave and I'm going to go all into this space? Sure. Like I'd say that basically um, I started buying Bitcoin at like six grand in 2020. Then at the end of 2020 um, and I, I bought it all year and I was listening to podcasts, reading books, learning about it, reading articles, just trying to wrap my head around it. Started to click in like September, October of 2020. Found out what an NFT was in November 2020. Didn't buy one yet. Too, 
too like foreign, couldn't like figure out what to buy. Then in like December, 2020, Bitcoin ran from 10 or 11 grand to like 30 grand. Mm -hmm. Then it ran to 50 grand, like two months later in early 2021. And right at that time, Beeple sold the one piece for 69 million. And I had bought my first NFT in mid-February. So that was like right before that $69 million sale. And in March, right around that sale, I was starting to make NFT content. So as all of that happened, I was like, I got to like plug into this as much as I possibly can. Obviously, I wish I could have plugged in in like September 2020 versus February, March 2021. Um, just because at that time, it was so early. Any like even being in one day earlier made an impact, right? I also wish that I plugged into the social media stuff a little bit more intensely right from the beginning because you see the kind of lasting success that people that were you know just early have at this point, quarter million followers. 350,000 followers and more. It gives you a lot of options, a lot of uh, reputational strength. Uh, but yeah, that the amalgamation of all that is definitely, you know, part of it. Watching my mutant ape go from whatever I paid for it, 9,000 US dollars to 130 or $140,000 and then back down. Like, dude, I, I live for wild rides, man. I sold it for like 25,000, but I got a coda out of it and I had sold that and, you know, got the ape coin out of it and sold that. Dude, I, I live for high octane stuff and like wild rides like that. I'm like not a risk averse person. I mean, I don't jump off. I don't like bungee jump and stuff, but like, you know, or skydive, but like in terms of like professional risk and like, you know, taking life risks. Uh, I, I love that stuff. I, I decided to move to LA on a Wednesday and I was living in LA on, on the Sunday afterwards. So like, I'm, I'm here for it and let, let's keep it going. You know, see when I, when I watch you guys, obviously I watch you guys pretty often. I take you as like the, uh, strategic investor in a sense like you like to be a little bit skeptical maybe and then kind of pick your poison versus like somebody like nick for example i feel like he'll just throw money at it he's like if it hits it hits if not i don't really give a fuck then you have easy right which is like the real trader so i guess my question to you is do you consider yourself a good smart trader here or more of an investor long term and have you had the portfolio to kind of prove that okay your thesis works well, it's more, yeah, it's more what you said about the investor thing, but the NFT space between 2021 and now didn't really reward like the investor, it rewarded like the good trader and like Nick got rewarded. Nick is a trader for sure. Like a thousand percent, he's a trader. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like the thing is though, is, is when it comes to investing, I like to just invest in things that I really believe in like Bitcoin, now Ethereum too, uh, Tesla stock, things like that. You know, I, I buy Coinbase stock, right? And, and so like the things that I like really develop the conviction in, I don't really feel any sort of emotional um, kind of any negative emotional feelings when the price goes down. Instead, I'm like, oh, cool, I can buy some more in the NFT space, though. Right. Like imagine if you minted a cool cat, you said that's my I mean, I'm an investor. I'm going to hold this thing. You watch it go up to like 40, 50 grand floor price. And then now it's like fifteen hundred dollar floor price. Right. So like you would have benefited from selling that and that I chalk up to just you know the market being basically manic depressive and us having a massive hype cycle that coincided with 
loose monetary policy from the government. So there was like kind of a perfect storm for that to happen. And I think we'll see crazy storms in the future with crypto again, considering the technology is just so new. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, in general, I consider myself like an investor, but I also recognize that I need to take swings being in the space that I'm in. And there is some sort of edge that I have over like a normal person walking down the street when it comes to this particular space. So I have have to be ready to deploy capital at a kind of moment's notice and lose it in order to take advantage of those moments. Yeah, I think you uh, said it very well there. I guess uh, my question to that is um, a lot of people still like I remember, let's say 2022 specifically, right? Like mid bull run, there was a specific amount of, let's say, accounts or wallets or like these big whales that, you know, if these guys bought this project or if these guys are pushing this project, you want to be in on it right regardless of the storyline the founder this that the third so i guess for you guys now has that thesis changed in a sense as you're kind of more of the voice more so than the i guess average consumer investor what does that thesis look like for you guys now in terms of like whether it's picking sponsors or just picking places you want to park your money at Sure. Uh, well, with sponsors, it's different. You know, our guy, Eric, who's uh, our longest tenured employee, he just like vets the hell out of sponsors and says no to 95% plus. Like we like being sponsored by platforms rather than projects themselves. Although mm -hmm. we do make exceptions for really good projects, but mostly we're more interested in like products and uh, platforms versus individual projects. In terms of like investing money in this market, it's just, it's hard to tell what's going to go up, but uh, like I look at meme land and like easy told me to buy a captain's when it was like 7,000 us dollars. I bought one and now it's like, you know, 15 grand. Right. So that was a win, but that was like him recognizing, okay, like the founder of meme land really understands the space and they're building something special and the market is going to have a positive response to it. So I do think that there's a chance to get into those things before the market understands. It is very hard to tell. I know you're a pudgy penguins guy. I think you, you have a D God too. No, the gods, Utes. Utes. Not that, at least, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody that bought Utes early, everybody that bought Pudgy Penguins early, D gods early, they basically recognized that the leaders of those collections were uh, very good before the market recognized it, right? It's like, it's not like Frank has transformed over the past four months, but four months ago, you could buy a Ute for like 25% of the price in US dollar terms than it costs now. So sometimes it's just about literally like doing the research and, and making the bet and being able to identify the talent that the market is going to um, identify at some point in the future. It's kind of just being early, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I guess this is a perfect way to, I have this uh, segment I need to start doing more of, which is kind of like this or that, like if you were only to pick one, sure. right? I think this is a perfect place for it. So let's hit you with uh, Bitcoin or ETH. Well, I'm, I'm a Bitcoin guy, right? So I'll go Bitcoin. Okay, how about Magic Eden or OpenSea? Uh, that's a tough one, dude. Um. Maybe I'll go OpenSea. OpenSea? Okay. How about NFTs or shitcoins? <laughs> Come on now. NFTs. Come on. <laughs> Come on. All right. This, this is a tough one right here. Utes or D-Gods? Only one. Uh, I'll go D-Gods. Why not? Go with the OG one. OG, yeah. I like them both. I like that answer. 
How about clones or doodles? Those will probably give you a laugh here. We did this on the show yesterday, this exact one. Um, and I, I was hosting, so I didn't even like, the nice thing about being the host is I don't have to weigh in. And, and no one's like, what do you think? I just, I yeah. slipped through the cracks. Uh, so you're making me do it the day later. Clones or doodles? You know, dude, <laughs> people are saying that doodles is going to get sold. And so does if they sell it, does that mean the price pumps because the market's like, okay, cool, somebody else is in charge of the IP? Or does it mean that it dumps because it got sold? Whereas Clonex is backed by Nike. So this is actually a really hard one, right? Because you're basically saying, if they sell doodles, is that actually bullish on the price? Because if, if there was no rumor of that, then I would just go Clonex. So I guess gun to my head, doodles or Clonex. I'll just still go Clonex. Let's go. Because it's Nike. Figure it's they... It's yeah. Nike. It's done more, I feel like, just in general so far, especially in the bear market. I think definitely clones right now are making a move. Hopefully they keep it up. Uh, and I'm biased, obviously, because I bought at 14 ETH and I'm holding all the way fucking down. Oh, damn. And ETH was at 3,000 at the time. So, you, oh. you know, I'm down bad. But uh, and that's just one of them. Let me let me not get started here. I guess uh, <laughs> one more Solana or Cardano. Oh, Solana, baby. Come on, man. Cardano. That's and then YouTube or Twitter, if you were to start a, a content creator career, which one would you want to pick? Well, before Elon bought Twitter, if we were broadly speaking, I would have said YouTube. However, you know, crypto only, you got to go Twitter. But now I'm, I'm in with Elon. I'm an Elon fanboy. I have been for a long time. I've been holding Tesla stock for a long time and I keep buying. Um, let's, go, let's go, Elon. Twitter. Let, let's crush everybody else. YouTube, crush everyone. I think I think he's got it, honestly. I think uh, it's been a tough ride so far, but I I don't know. It's it's risky because we've have seen a lot of hiccups. We've seen a lot of bullshit. We've seen a lot of hiccups. He solved some problems, but I feel like he started a lot of other problems. But it is Elon, and you can't fade that guy. If there's one guy in the world you can't fade, it's Elon for sure. Yeah, he's going after Substack. You know, yeah. newsletter world. Yeah, I did see that. Actually, I did see that. That that that's a interesting move there, to say the least. Um, I got another question for you. Uh, would you date a girl in Web3? I don't know if you already have a girl or not, but would you date a girl that is lives the same life as you in this space? Uh, potentially. You know, uh, I'm very strict about not mixing like business and, and dating and stuff. And I've always done that probably too much because I probably could have gotten away with, with uh, mixing it, you know, from time to time. Uh, but yeah, I'll leave the door open. Sure. Any opportunity you see right now? Any baddies around? <laughs> oh, yeah. No. I've never like slid into a Web3 girl's DM because I'm just like, as soon as I do that, that screenshot's out there forever. It's just yeah. a meme forever. I got a funny story for you. I got a funny story. A few days ago, I had an account like reply to a few of my tweets. And I'm like, mm, looks like a hot girl like in Miami. Sure, why not? Let me uh, say something. I'm like, are you in Miami? She goes, yes. I'm like, okay, since we're both in my three, you're obligated to pretty much hang out with me. She's like, okay, no problem. I'm like, what do you want to do? She And I give her like three options. I'm like, lunch, dinner, or the pool. And she hits me with uh, pool. And then two minutes after she goes, but before before we do that, can you go ahead and send me one eighth? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> can you go ahead and shoot that over? <laughs> one eighth. And I knew at that moment, I'm like, okay, I just got trolled. And somebody else could have really gotten trolled and lost money at that one point of time. But I thought that was a funny story. And to wrap it up, uh, Pio, I've heard you're a big Drake fan. So what's your favorite Drake lyric? 
who told me, who told you I'm a big Drake fan? I mean, sure, I respect Drake as an artist, but I'm not like a particular Drake fan. <laughs> uh, any 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 favorite Drake lyrics here you have throughout this album? Uh, Drake lyrics. I mean, uh, he's got in, in his diss songs, he's got like, like I'm sure there's a line in back to back or when he's like, uh, I don't want to hear about this ever again or something. It's almost like, you know, I don't even have time for this beef, you know, so I'm just going to make this radio hit song and body you with it. No, Drake's obviously uh, one of the best hip hop artists of all time. That's a, a hilarious question. Yeah. Theo, thank you so much for having on, bro. Uh, really excited to see Doggo's release, obviously, very soon and everything else you guys are doing. And then, uh, yeah, make sure you guys check out Theo if you don't already do that. Uh, we'll leave the link in the description below. The Nifty, baby. The C phrase, Nifty. Maybe we do a collab sometime soon here. Who knows? Subscribe. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Hell yeah. Thank you, Mo. Thank you for having me on, bro. See you. Thank you.